coming soon from Arkville Press. This is the story of the last city. It has outlived the world that it was born into, and it has outlived all its siblings. This is the story of the last city, a ruin built on ruins where death is a luxury few can afford. This is the story of the last city, of those who wander within and those who are crushed by its weight. This is the story of the last city, and this is how it died. The Tower Through the Trees by Sean Dillon, coming March 29th. the Y Comics Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse, and with me today is the writer of the upcoming Dark Crisis event at DC and the current event, Shadow War, that's going on in the Batman, Robin, and Deathstroke Inc. books, and also writing the Black Label title, Rogues. It's Joshua Williamson. Did I miss a book? I feel like I'm missing a book. I I think you got everything. I think you got everything. There's a lot of books. Yeah, there's stuff I'm writing that hasn't been, like, announced yet so i have to like think about that in my brain too but uh yeah i think you got everything i think we're good yeah i'm very excited to have you back on because last time i uh we talked it was just uh a blast because it was just it's two two big old comic nerds talking to each other yeah um <laughs> and right before we started we were talking about uh the event dark crisis issue one isn't out yet but it comes out does it come out this month or does it come out next month it's the first week of june so i think it's june 7th Okay, so no spoilers for, for anything of that, but spoilers for the death of Justice League, which came out at the beginning of this month, May. Um, uh, so you killed the Justice League. <laughs> I know, I know. How do you feel about that? Um, it, it's a very weird feeling, and I think I've had ups and downs on it emotionally, you know? Like, I think some of them hurt more than others, like Green Arrow specifically. Was that Green Arrow one's rough. Harder. Yeah, it's the harder one. Um, and because I love that character but I think because I know the whole story it's different for me like Mm -hmm. because I know I know all the stuff right like I'm very much the man behind the curtain that it's less it's it hits me a little bit less than maybe for somebody who doesn't know what I know or is on the outside but it's like you know I remember when I pitched it because I'd had this idea a long time ago it was when we were we were in the early stages of uh the early stages of death metal and like planning death metal. I even don't want to be out planning death metal. And we were having all these conversations and I wrote down in my notebook, I wrote down death of the justice league. And I was, cause I was always really thinking about what death meant in the DCU and how it can impact people differently now, considering that almost every character in the DCU has died at some point already. And they kind of know that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's been working on this for so long that by the time it got to it, when I, when I pitched it, I wasn't even sure what DC was going to say they were going to go for or not. They just had a lot of questions. Um, so by the time I got to actually do it, it was a weird experience because it wasn't until, I feel like, I feel like Rafa Sandoval was the artist on that issue. He wrote me an email talking about killing his favorite characters off that it kind of clicked back in my head what I was doing <laughs> again. Like, oh yeah, yeah, we are doing this, aren't we? Like sometimes you get in a robot mode of just like I I'm just writing and, and doing the thing. You don't hit the, the emotional impacts don't hit as as hard sometimes. Yeah. And you have so much work to do. There's no time to sit there and live in it. You gotta just keep going. You're kind of like, if I take the time to really think about what I'm doing, I might lose the day. <laughs> so I just gotta keep writing. when it comes to the the team of villains, the basically every major Justice League villain that took the whole league to take out themselves um being in this force uh, that Priya is now handling uh what made you like decide like this is how this is how it has to happen because there's no other way like they fought everybody so if we put everybody together like you put that- everybody together yeah I, I always wanted for a long time I wanted to have a team of all the big hitters because we only see that very often and I always thought that was weird it's like why wouldn't all the big event villains get together at some point you know like why wouldn't they do something like that? You know, and you kind of, it, it's always one of those things that's kind of funny when you look at like these events that were kind of happening at the same time. You know, if you can go back and so far as look at like Blackest Night and Final Crisis were, were not happening at the exact same time, but they were fairly close, right? Yeah. Like they were, they kind of overlap a little, 
and it's like what if what if those things had added up to where it was like dark side and necron had like joined forces at some point during that story like it would have it would have been an interesting twist on it you know that might have been unexpected at the time so i had always thought about this idea of like having all of these villains come together and then when pariah i knew pariah was going to build this army i was like oh i'm gonna build i'm gonna take that list out of the villains that i thought would be really cool to put together and uh and then yeah i just used them you know i just used those characters that one and some of them are ones that i just think are cool like i i love underworld unleashed and mm-hmm. so i'm always trying to sneak neuron into stuff and uh, I always liked Eclipso, so I put Eclipso in there, and obviously Doomsday and Darkseid, and um, I think Ares, because, you know, he's a big Wonder Woman villain, and, and Necron for Green Lantern, but uh, they all are tied into, like, big events and stuff, so that's where I was just, you know, pulling together a list of characters I thought would be interesting to see in that lineup, and, like, Upside Down Man, and Empty Hand, like, it was just this, this list I had, and I felt like if you saw them together, you'd say, oh, shit, which is pretty much what happened. So uh, that's why I put them together. Yeah, when I was when I was looking through the comic and I was getting to that, and I, I you see that big panel reveal of everybody, it really is a like, oh, this is like my worst nightmare as a, a DC fan because this is literally everybody that ha- I have just been stressed when they're on page by themselves, and now I'm I'm like ten times as stressed right now. Well, one thing we try to say in the issue is that like they're all kind of. And they're all in chain, right? So they're being controlled by Pariah. And because they're being controlled by Pariah, they're like shadows of themselves. Like they're not at their full power. Uh, and one of the things I, I, this might be a bit of a spoiler, but the idea of like, yes, they're around each other, but they're not completely themselves. Like there's yeah. that thing where Black Adam like hits, hits Dark Side with the lightning and Dark Side snaps out of it for just a moment, you know? Um, is what happens if they're all still around each other when those chains come off? Like what happens then? Oh, that see now I'm, now I'm just thinking about because I, I, you thankfully let me read the first issue and that, and that's also like the idea is like just what's what's gonna happen next and like th- just from that first issue you get a lot of ideas of what's gonna about to happen because I think something that I've noticed with your writing uh, specifically in DC and everything is you like to give big hints and if someone's read a lot yeah. of comics they can probably start piecing together what you're about to do because you're like you're the big you're the big fan of yourself so you're like this is the biggest fan writing the characters right now yeah i always try to drop a bunch of hints in in there you know either from either referencing old stories or uh you know just foreshadowing a lot like you know i always like when i was on flash i would do this where it would be like I would reference something in like issue 28 and that wouldn't come around again until like issue 60. Like I would just hint at things that if you're, if you are reading and you kind of like are paying attention, you'll probably pick up some stuff down the line and then be like, Oh, he's building to this. Like it's not. And it's always funny when somebody will be like, uh, <laughs> they'll be like, I figured it out. And I'm like, that's great. Cause you were reading the books. <laughs> like, <laughs> Because it's there, you know, like, I'm not hiding it from you. Like, I feel like the code, it's interesting in our, like, digital age, you know, where people are trying to figure things out from, like, covers and solicits and from all this stuff. And I'm I'm very, like, if you just read the books, you're going to know what's happening. Like, you're going to yeah. figure it out. You got to read the books to get there. What made you go with Pariah? And it's interesting, too, because I, I, like, when you go back to um, Infinite Crisis, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. another story where these leftovers from crisis on infinite earths kind of go crazy <laughs> well here's the thing that's funny about that is that like well, okay so uh why pariah um when i was in high school i had this idea for uh i wanted to do an outsiders comic and i had this roster of outsider characters that i wanted to um i wanted to work with and pariah was one of them um like i love crisis on infinite earths and I find it fascinating that Pariah is essentially the main character. Yeah. And then we don't really see him much after that. There are stories, which we'll get to. There are stories that he's in, but not a lot. And he wasn't really in Infinite Crisis. Like, he's in the buildup with uh, Villains United because Lex Luthor is, like, torturing him, and then he kills him. But it was always, like, these kind of weird... I would say in the last 20 years, particularly he would do these kind of weird like cameo things, you know, where it was like that with Mills United or he's in uh, Blackest Night 
but only briefly. And, but I always have this interesting character. And the reason why I bring up the thing in high school with outsiders was because in that, the pitch that I had in my head was basically, or my, my, you know, high school superhero notebooks <laughs> was that like, well, Pariah's whole power essentially is he gets teleported. He can take people and teleport them to sites of crisis or sites of disaster or cataclysmic stuff, right? So you just hang out with him and you'll always go to places of danger and then he can save the day. So the idea was that whenever there was a problem, he would teleport the outsiders wherever they had to go to stop the problem. And uh, I've always been just really, so back then when I was working on this stuff when I was in high school, and again, this is me just working on my notebook or anything, you know, just, just having ideas. I always just found it to be such a fascinating character that nobody played with. So when I got to a point where I'm like in the room, we're at for summits and we're talking about stuff, uh, I would always ask her, what about Pariah? And it, it didn't seem like anybody was ever really interested in him. And I just thought that was so fascinating because it's like, here's this character that is essentially the main character of the biggest event you guys have ever done. And he gets, uh, he, he, is the, he is the reason that it happens. Right? Like, he's the reason that the anti-monitor figures out what's going on and starts destroying worlds. And uh, if you go back and you look, well, so this is part of why. Because I just thought he was this interesting character that nobody ever touched on. Uh, back during War of the Gods, uh, Marv Wolfman did a story about Pariah in that. And in that, he very clearly planted the seeds that Pariah was like, I am still cursed and Earth Zero needs to die for me to not be cursed anymore. And I found that fascinating of this character who is a major piece of your biggest event. The last time they were really seen, written by the person who creates them, they, they firmly established this person is not uh, in their right mind mm -hmm. and, and wants these things to be destroyed. And then just kind of like, like just flies off that's it. And here's the thing about Pariah. And they say this in Christ on Infinite Earth. Pariah on his world had solved everything. Like he basically had made world peace single-handedly on his world. Like he was uh, their Superman. He was basically a god there, but he didn't care about the people. It was all about ego. Yeah. So I'm just like, man, you take this person who was just like an egomaniac who caused the destruction of Infinite World. He's invulnerable. He cannot die. Uh, he has like basically Superman level powers. If you go back and look at that stuff, like, and again, he says this in seventy five. It's like he survived the death of infinite worlds. Like, how would a punch from Black Adam do anything to him? Uh, I thought it was fascinating. No one ever really did a big story with him, and so yeah, every time we were at a summit, we were talking about villains or talking about story ideas. I'd always be like, "What about Pry? Where's Pry at?" And so here when it was my turn and I'm developing the story, it was like, all right, cool. It's time. <laughs> it's time for Pariah. And I think it works. Like it works. I think it connects it back to Crisis on Infinite Earths. It, I think he has a real motivation. He's a different character. He's something I haven't seen in a while, uh, in, a, in a long time. And even then like rarely in between. Um, I don't know. I think it really ended up working out and I'm really happy with it. And like his voice, I hear it in my head when I'm working on stuff. And so I, I'm, it's like a choice I'm really glad that I made. Yeah, I mean, Pryot, design-wise and everything, too, like, kind of screams villain in a lot of ways. Yeah, um, I know. I maybe know, not I from know. the 80s, but, like, in, in modern sensibilities, like, you're like, oh, yeah, this guy's a bad dude. <laughs> if you saw him on the yeah. street, you're like, ah, I don't know about him. Well, we changed his look a little bit. We made his, because remember his eyes were supposed to have those, like, black rings around him? Yeah. Uh, we made it so they're even deeper, and they kind of look a little different. Um, and then we turned his hair white. Because it was supposed to be that like everything he's gone through, the stress mm -hmm. of it is his hair white. So that was that was part of our thinking of it. I think those little touches has pushed him into the villain, like way more of a villain. And then you wait, so you have read Dark Crisis number one? Yeah, I read I read number one and I read the the Young Justice number one issue. Oh really? Oh okay, cool. Yeah. I, think I saw that in the box today, so I just read it before. Oh okay, cool. I think you're the first person that uh, has read that like outside of, of the building and stuff or people I know. Um, but yeah, we just wanted to uh, give him a different look and kind of amp him up and everything. I mean, it's it is interesting that like Infinite Crisis does have a similar beat of these people that survived, you know, particularly Superboy Prime and Alexander Luther going nuts. But uh, Pariah was there first. <laughs> I, I I do like that Pariah is really like the it, Pariah, Pariah's motivation is I just want 
like you guys to go away because I just want to, to relax, kind of. Yeah, he and, wants it all to, yeah. And, and uh, uh, Alexander Luther and Superboy Primer was like, we made this work for you. You guys just messed it up. You messed it up, yeah. Um, they, they want certain things to be a certain way. And I think Pariah's attitude is like, either it's my way or there's no way. Um, but he just wants peace. Yeah. He, he wants uh, some kind of peace, which is similar to what the Great Darkness wants, too, whereas I think the Great Darkness just wants peace again. Um, because the multiverse was, you know, if you go back and look at Christ in FRS number one, it says it. It's like the darkness screamed when the multiverse was born. For so it's, well, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, yeah, I was going to say for you, though, at making this a crisis event, crisis has a big weight to it, kind of like um, uh, gosh, what's the Marvel, Marvel one? Marvel has their own that they do quite often yeah well, secret secret, it's secret something yeah yeah secret war yeah. um uh well secret and wars are like the two things because like, like they have like the secret invasions and things like yeah, that yeah. Civil um, war. Yeah, yeah but for 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 dc it's really mostly crisis that becomes the big tentpole events that happen for you like approaching this as a crisis was there any kind of like boy, I hope I don't mess this up. Or were you going into it? like, I hope I'm the last one because I want to put like a nail in this coffin of like these Oh, no, of course of not. No, I don't want to be the one to be like put a nail in any, any kind of coffin. Uh, no, no. I mean, I, I would hope that in the future somebody else has another crisis event and, and does something big. And I mean, that's, that's part of what DNA, the DNA of DC is doing big events like this. You know, it's like, I, I, I think that uh, DC is always growing and always changing. That's when it's at its best. And, uh, and adding to the mythology, not taking away from the mythology, um, and doing a, a crisis, but that's also part of the DNA of DC, like doing a crisis is something that does a piece of it. And uh, for me going into it, I mean, any project you go into it being like, I hope I don't mess this up, but the, the rule I have with a lot of this stuff is what I buy it, you know, yeah. it's what I would have bought. And is it something that like gets me excited when I'm working on it? You know, that's always the, the thing. Like I've worked on books before where I got a point where I was like, this is not working for me. Or, uh, you know, it, even with Flash, like there are some arcs of Flash that I like more than other arcs of Flash. You know, like, I see flaws in some of them. And some of them I'm like, oh man, I, I, I think I did good on that. Like, and when I go back and look, I'm like, all right, cool. But it's all part of the major tapestry of what I was doing when I was working on Flash. But uh, with this one, it really just comes down to like, I just hope that I would like, if I could have an out-of-body experience, would I be happy with this? And I, I believe it is. Like, I believe there's moments where I think about, I'll, I'll be really honest with you, like, I write a lot of comics, and my schedule has gotten a little lighter recently, but, I mean, not really. <laughs> Publicly, it's gotten lighter, I guess. Uh, but there are moments where it's hard to work on something else, because I'm having so much fun working on Dark Crisis. It's like, there are moments I know that are coming later. Like, I can't, I'm also like impatient sometimes because I know what happens in the whole thing, you know? So I'm like, oh man, I can't wait for someone to see this part of, you know, issue four and this part of issue five and this part of issue six and this part of seven. Like I know all the fun stuff that's coming and I know that I would be really excited as a fan when those things happen. Um, so that's kind of my, my, my barometer of like judging it is that. And so I guess the pressure of like just making sure that I would be happy with this is is it like that's where I kind of look at it and I just try to strive for that so that's where the pressure sort of any kind of pressure like I hope I don't fuck this up really sort of goes toward that I feel like too as a longtime fan of just comics and someone who's read so many of the books out there uh being able to write an event is basically the only way where you're like i can squeeze every obscure i mean unless you're like tom king or mark russell who do these fantastical off off the wall miniseries um like you get to squeeze all these obscure characters into one book because you're like well there's a reason why they might be here because everything's happening right now yeah it gets more like that before we get to because i think like in some ways dark crisis is going to be a little bit of a slow burn in places because it's like you know, issue one, you've read, so you know it's set up, and then issue mm-hmm. two, I'm, I'm telling you things that aren't, like, secret. I think I've said this before in other interviews, but, like, issue two is, like, a really big fight scene. Like, the majority of it is a fight scene. Uh, not just, like, one fight scene, but it's eventually, like, all about this big moment. And then three is sort of the aftermath of that. There's big stuff happening in there, but three is about growing the story, and, like, more characters start getting involved in it. And then, um, 
four has it's when we start really getting into that like we're really getting into like oh now there's a lot of stuff going on now there's now we're starting to see how this thing is affecting the different corners of the dcu and then and then there's a bunch of cool stuff happens after that <laughs> i don't want to get too deep into spoilers but it, it you know definitely changes gears a little bit after that the the idea too of going into this uh, multiverse kind of event is that the multiverse is aware of itself and aware of everything that's happened. Like we talked about before this, like like uh, a death metal of anybody who's not read it. Like it basically makes everybody aware that we've we've done this. <laughs> we've all done this. We've done it multiple times. All of us have been dead at some point. We've done this. So going into an event like this with that awareness, all these characters having that awareness, like you address it, it was either in the free comic book day issue or the first issue. I get, I'm getting part of the information mixed up between the two of them. But someone literally says, these characters have been dead before. Why aren't they going to just come back? It happens. Like they let them do that. Yeah, it's um, in the zero. Yeah, the kid says it. Yeah. yeah. And it's like to acknowledge that, I think it makes this itself and some of the setup that's at the end of the first issue um, make it go as, as a figure, like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> this is how we're tackling it, especially with some of the announcements too of some of the other special one shots, I think help piece together what's actually happening. What's going on? Yeah. Well, so. I have this theory about DC characters and, and Marvel characters particularly, but DC and Marvel, uh, the conversations we have about them, they also have about each other in their in world, you know, mm-hmm. um, like I think they would every once in a while slow down and have like, I don't know, they have these like self-aware conversations about the lives they lead, you know, and one of those conversations I imagine they have is the idea of dealing with the fact that some of them have died before. Yeah. Oh, it's like, and that was part of. I'm not sure. Did you get to read the um, the Road to Dark Crisis special? Um, I don't know if I did. I, That's the it, one that has the. It's the one that has um. If you read it, it's the. There's a scene. It's like a, one of the shorts is is uh Dick Grayson and John Kent talking about this. I yeah, okay yeah I now I remember. Okay, so basically yeah, it's just this idea of like they're all kind of know it like they yeah. know this. I I find that stuff fascinating, and it's like how do normal people in the dcu react to the idea that like we had a giant superman funeral and then like five months later superman was flying around you know it's like you know we've we, we batman is a myth and then he's not a myth and then he's a myth again you know uh some of these characters are public and some of them have died publicly or gone evil publicly you know it's like yeah. what are their perspectives on it then i kind of like what are the characters perspectives on that and that was something I did want to touch on a little bit throughout the story was a bit of, you know, I try to walk the line in some places, but a, a little bit of meta stuff going on at times and a little bit of um, that self-awareness with the characters. I wanted to play with those ideas with this event because I'm not sure how I've seen that with an event before, um, but I wanted to play with those ideas here. It's like the, it, the my favorite parts of Kingdom Comers when, Bruce and Diana and Clark are in the cafe and like they are the diner and they just see all this memorabilia. Everybody's dressed up like characters that are like in the universe. And I'm like, is this just kind of weird? Yeah, I love that. Yeah, that's um, good. yeah. So, so we could talk about probably Dark Crisis for this entire thing, but you're yeah. also currently in the middle of Shadowing. You're done probably writing Shadow War right now. Oh, but yeah, it, <laughs> but it, it's in the middle of coming out, it's going to wrap up yeah. and lead into Dark Crisis. Um, I'm a couple issues behind just because of the way I buy my comics, I'm always like a week behind ish. Um, mm-hmm. but uh, Shadow War itself, like, is it fun being able to write all three of these characters at the same time and have them interact with each other in your books? Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, uh, the idea for Shadow War, I had, I don't even know, like 2015, I think, is when I had the idea for it. And then 2016, like, it kept kind of changing and growing. And um, and uh, then I was able to do it, obviously, now. Uh, but yeah, I love writing them together. I mean, I, I like writing, primarily, I like writing uh, Bruce and Damien together. Like, that's the stuff that I think is really fun to do. Um, and then you have um deathstroke and like one of the points of deathstroke inc was to like firmly establish him as a villain like as a major villain to the dcu that was the point of that book and so getting to write them all together with that with that in mind of like this is also about like firmly putting him there it was just really fun it's just really fun and they all hate each other well Mm -hmm. obviously bruce and damien don't but they do dislike slate so 
it's just fun stuff to to work with those characters. I've been um I've been I've been doing this big old cartoon rewatch of all the DC cartoons. I'm in the middle of uh-huh. Teen Titans. I'm almost done with Teen Titans, and to read uh, and to read this Deathstroke, and then also watch that Slade and watch the kind of similarities. Like it's so interesting to see this character transform over the years to just be so many different kind of mean <laughs> like different types of mean every time yeah um, i know yeah 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 uh, i like also though that you basically looked at deathstroke and slade and you're like um you're like he he is batman but he is missing something he's missing damien <laughs> oh yeah and i gave him respawn yeah. yeah and to have that dynamic and especially like make it uh it feels like at least partially key to the relationships in Shadow Wars, mm-hmm. Deathstroke now dealing with Respawn and like learning all this, and then Damien finding out what's going on with that. Uh, it and then I, I think I left off. I think Bruce learned about it. He's like, really, what's going on here? Why? Why yeah, am I left out of the about? sleep? Yeah, and there's more. There's more stuff. I mean, you'll you'll when you get caught up, you'll see there's more stuff going on with that. Re, Respawn originally was supposed to be Red X, and uh, oh, that's interesting. I, I think at one point at dc we had had this um you know like we were all developing stuff at the same time and i was working on robin like developing robin while they were developing uh titans academy and they kind of they beat me to it basically um and so i was like well i had this whole thing i had this plan i had this idea and and then i was like okay i actually have a thought how to do this and so that's where i came i basically came up with respawn from that and talking to gleb a lot like gleb has a really good eye for new characters and for character design so going back with Gleb, and, and Gleb had actually said to me, he was like, you know, and we're getting like really into spoilers here, but basically Gleb was like, I want to do something really different with Robin. And I'm like, what do you want to do? And he's like, well, I want to give him a brother. I want to figure out a way of giving him a brother or something. And I was like, oh, dude, I, I got you covered. <laughs> like, I have an idea on how to do it. And so we went back and forth on it, and that was how Respawn was created, was through that. And, uh, and then he just kind of took on a life of his own. Like he's became this character that I could kind of I could hear his voice in my head, and he ended up being really like I don't know a lot of fun. He looks cool, you know. Like uh, I hope I hope we get a respawn toy <laughs> out of this. But uh, I really like writing that character too. He just has I mean, he's just a it's an interesting dynamic because you know Damien obviously has family and he has you know he has Bruce and he has all the Robins and the Batgirls, but I think when you go back and look at the stuff that happened with all the clones, the clones getting destroyed and heretic and all that, I think there was a part of him that always felt a bit burned by that. And so the idea of having respawn sort of fill that, I thought would be interesting, like an interesting dynamic. And then it's kind of like dropping a grenade in the middle of the story a little bit too. And like post Shadow World, is respawn going to be still like around in the Robin comic? If that's not like a major spoiler at all. I mean, you should catch up. <laughs> okay all right um and i know you said in other interviews that shadow war leads into basically deathstroke being a major like he learns something major that leads into something key about well something happens to him yeah yeah something happens to him that makes him very key to dark crisis and, and you'll find that out when you read uh when you read uh shadow war omega which comes out like the week before dark crisis it leads directly into it the, the thing that i mean with dark crisis though like one of the things i made sure was that like if somebody wanted to they could pick up dark crisis fresh they could pick up issue one and just start reading they don't have to read anything else yeah um that was important but yeah shadow war omega something happens I and mean, you'll see like as it goes like it, it'll get it's interesting i'm i'm curious people are gonna think when they get to that it'll, it'll become really clear by the time you're in uh, Shadow War Omega's ending will be like, oh, that's what happened. Oh, okay, that's a problem. And then <laughs> as Star Crisis goes, you start seeing like, oh, geez, like, you know, what's going on with Deathstroke is very bad for the <laughs> uh, Yeah, because Dark Crisis uh, basically puts Deathstroke out there as like, hey, uh, this guy's going to be a huge issue when no one's around. Yeah, he's one. I mean, this is the thing is like the, you know, in, in Dark Crisis number one, we kind of establish that some people believe and some people don't, right? Some people yeah. think that Justice League is gone. Some people think they're dead. Some people think they can find them. Uh, but all the villains are like, yo, if they're gone, it's it's time to go. It's rock and roll. And uh, that's kind of being established early on is that like these attacks are happening. and Things are just like nonstop. And then you throw Deathstroke into the mix and Deathstroke has built this army using the secret society. It's dangerous. And it's one of those things like with all the Deathstroke 
uh, centric stories in the last like uh, since Rebirth and maybe even before that. He's been kind of a non-major player in a lot of these other like hero stories. And I think that if you're a newer reader, you, you don't really, unless you've gone back and read some of this stuff, you don't, you don't get the scene in like uh, Identity Crisis where he single-handedly takes out the Justice League. Yeah. Or yeah. Um, or like early Teen Titans stuff, even in Jeff John's Teen Titans stuff, where he just, all of a sudden Bart turns around the corner and his kneecap's gone because Deathstroke is that, just that bad of a dude. Well, I remember technically that was Joseph and Deathstroke. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry about eh, on you, but yeah. Uh, no, totally. Um, I, I always remember it being Deathstroke just because I was like the, my first Teen Titans comic. I was like, what's happening? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That book is real good. That book is real good. Um, turn the page and all of a sudden this kid has a, a no kneecap. And you're like, oh, okay, so this is comic books. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was the death, that was the death of Marta's impulse. That yeah, was- I think the yeah, next issue, I think, was just the big old covers introducing Kid Flash. Kid Flash, yeah, yeah. Um, so with with after Shadow War and, and Dark Crisis, you have Rogue still going on too. Um, I have uh, I think I have issue two currently that I haven't read yet. It's on my shelf. I just haven't gotten to it yet. Um, but the first issue, you are writing the book that I always want to write. <laughs> oh, <laughs> which well, is fine because it's the book that I always wanted to write. Like I mean, um, that's, I think working at DC is weird because like sometimes you know sometimes you have to make sure these books are the the books are supposed to be yeah right like i think with flash when i was doing the main the main flash book and it's the main run and everything and because it was spinning out of rebirth it had to be a very particular kind of flash book you know and 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 that's that's how it is sometimes at dc like these things are still commercial comics at the end of the day and sometimes sometimes it's easy to find a way to be a little more artistic in there and i think there's times we're able to pull it out you know, I think Tom did, did it a lot on Batman, but then every once in a while it would be like, you know, Tom would do these stories that were very much just like Batman, big, bold Batman stories, you know. Um, I always struggled at times to find places for me in there. And, but when you go look at my creator own books, you look at like Ghosted and Nailbiter and Birthright, those are much more me. And and so with, with working at DC stuff, a lot of times I'm like, well, I know what this book is supposed to be. But then with Rogues, it was the first time I feel like, I mean, Rogues and Robin, like a Robin is very much me in a lot of ways. It's me having fun. Um, but when I'm doing Rogues, that was the one where I think I like rolled up my sleeves and was like, all right, this is going to be me. It's going to be more me than probably most things you've seen from me at DC. Uh, and got to do got to do a book that I never thought I'd be able to do. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm really happy with it. I'm, I'm glad you like it. It, it's one of those things too where you get to it, it's the it's the struggle with comics in some ways when you especially, especially i see with writers who are doing big two books where you want to write something so kind of out of what's happening right now but it's hard to get kind of any coverage of out of what's happening right now if that makes sense mm-hmm. like you're right rogues is a, is a book about these characters being older and being kind of washed up it's it in a way it's like um i'm currently also watching better call songs like this is about these people just struggling (laughs) it's a struggle well you know i have like personally i have a lot of economic anxiety like it's it's embedded in my dna at this point like i'm not i'll I'll probably never break it um like I, i i do very well but i will always have that like in my brain you know like it's yeah it's impossible to crack it's like you know root in your childhood so it's never gonna it's never gonna go away from me and I thought about that a lot working on this book and it's like this idea of how hard you know because going from class like like uh leveling up in terms of class is extremely difficult and and then I think a lot about sometimes people just find themselves in these places where they're just struggling and it's hard to get out of that struggle and and a lot of it does have to do with money and and that's sort of what I was doing with this book is that's why I show different facets of it right because it's like you know Lisa has a good job, but she wants to do more, but she doesn't mm-hmm. feel like anyone will listen. And then you have Captain Cold, who is hitting rock bottom, and he feels like it goes deeper than, you know, him not wanting to be a loser. It's like he has, I think the thing with, with, with Snart that makes him the most angry is the moment he realizes that he was actually settling into that life, that he had actually kind of felt relieved. Like when his boss isn't mad at him, he's relieved, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that really pisses him off the moment he realizes it. I mean, Heatwave's just Heatwave. He's the only one that didn't, like, give it up. 
but like Trickster is recognizing he's getting older and he can't keep up the tricks forever. Um, Bronze Tiger is like, you know, he wants to do more, but it's hard because they do background checks. It's hard for somebody who used to be a paid assassin to get a loan. And, uh, you know, and then obviously Magenta, like Frankie can't, can't pay for her medication. Mm-hmm. And so all that stuff, it just builds this idea of like, we used to do this thing that was bad. We know where there's money. We're going to go back and do the bad thing. But we have no other choice. Uh, and that's all stuff that just ties up in things I was, I don't know, wanted to do a book about. Yeah, and for me, as a, just, I love these characters so much. I'm, every year as I get older, and I'm still like, I'm still young, but at the same time, my brain, I'm like, I'm old now. Like, I never thought I would get to this age. Um, I wonder about my favorite characters. Like, what what would they, because they're not this age. They're still stuck. Like, Dick Grayson's still, like, 25 or something. And I'm like, what, what would Dick Grayson look like as as he's hitting 30? What's What, what would he be thinking at this point? Yeah. Um, yeah. What, what's Bruce going to, like, what's Bruce thinking when he's when he's hitting 50, 55 or 60? Like, watching my dad get older, my mom get older. It's like, I don't know, these, these people that are also, like, surrogate parents to me in some ways as I've, like, indulged into their fiction so much. Oh, yeah. I don't know what it's going to be like to, because in my brain, you know, Batman and Superman are always older than me. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, that's just in your head. They, they are older than you. But uh, I'm quickly approaching, I'm probably already there, actually, where uh, that is not the case. You know, like, I'm, I'm probably definitely older than them. And uh, depending on your continuity. <laughs> uh, but it is a weird feeling to think like, oh, man, I'm older than them. That's so strange. It's so weird. Uh, but I do like uh, reading stories of these characters getting a little older. And, and you know, I'm not the first person to do it. Like, obviously, Frank Miller famously did it with Dark Knight. But I like reading them. You know, obviously, there's also, like, Old Man Logan and stuff like that. But I just, I, I find it interesting to read these characters in different perspectives and different um, parts of their lives. Yeah, it's 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 one of those, those are my favorite type of Alice Rolls book where you just get to see them. Yeah out of the norm for a bit did you read uh john burns generations john burns generations was probably one of my first obsessions of an else one. Oh, dude i love that stuff yeah it was so good i have um, that they, they put that omnibus out um last year i think it's awesome yeah i still have the trades and some of the singles i need to get the omnibus itself but yeah it's just it was one of those ones because i i used to just check books out at the library all the time and that was one i checked out like every month Dude, it's so good. Yeah, it's just fun. It's interesting because it's just, it's just showing this like real-time thing, but then he uses all this like bits and pieces of mythology. I, don't know, I find it uh, fascinating. Like, and I, I you know, uh, Tom, Tom King, I think, you know, arguably one of the best issues of his Batman run is the issue where it's like, it's the annual where Batman and Catwoman are getting old together. Yeah. Like that one's really good. And, I don't know, I'm, not, I'm not saying we should do a bunch of books about characters getting older, but I always find it fascinating <laughs> when we do. Uh, but yeah, I love Elseworlds. I was a big, I was a big uh, fan of Elseworlds. Uh, so back about 14 years ago, um, I sold my comic book collection, and uh, I had a lot. I had a lot, and I, I sold a lot. I pretty much sold almost all of it. I, I would probably say I sold like 95% of it, maybe more of that. Um, and but one of the things I kept, I kept anything that was signed. I kept a couple runs. And some things were really beat up. And I'm like, I'm not going to sell this, but I love it. It's, it's beat up because I read it so many times. I'm going to keep it, you know? But yeah. one of the things that I kept was I had this long box. I don't know why I would do this. Every time DC would release something in the prestige format, which was mostly Elseworlds and like annuals occasionally, or just one shot in general, right? But a lot of them were Elseworlds. Um, every time they would release a... Uh, a prestige format thing i would keep it in a separate long box i wouldn't keep it with everything else so if it was like a batman prestige format i would keep it i wouldn't put it in the batman box when i sold everything and then i also had a box for just annuals now, again i don't know why i would always keep the annuals i think part of it was because dc in the 90s would always have themed annuals you know yeah and like noir month bloodlines you know so i kept them together when i sold everything i kept all of those so i still have all those old prestige format um elseworlds and so every once in a while i'll just go through them and i'm like oh i forgot about this one you know and it's just it's just really cool to look through back some of that those old Elseworld stories for last time we talked you were we were wrapping up um i think nail biter returns and birthright was about to wrap up too have any uh 
and I think we talked about too, like you had a lot of ideas for creator and you really want to take a break for a bit and really focus on DC stuff. Is the creator own biting at you again at any time soon? Oh yeah, I have a bunch of creator own stuff behind the works that I've been working on forever. Uh, I have a few creator own books I've been putting together. Um, I, I think we're close to talking about one of them. So most of them might not be for another year or two because I plan ahead. Yeah. Know? Like I'm a big, I'm a big planner. So uh you know I, I like to plan and strategize everything as much as i can and you know when we were doing nailbiter it's like we were always we, we stayed monthly on nailbiter the whole time and that was because we were always planning so far ahead and so i still have that in me when it comes to creator own stuff so i'm definitely working on some stuff like you know me and andre the birthright team like the exact birthright team we're working on a book a horror book right now um that i'm really excited about and there's a couple of things I'm working on with Mike and uh, Mike Henderson. We have a we have a thing that we're where he's working on a book, and then him and I have this like side project we've been working on gradually. Um, but yeah, I have a dude. I have a ton of creator on books I want to do, but I can only do so many like schedule wise. Yeah, I'm also still exclusive, and so because of my exclusive, I'm only allowed to do so much, um, which is actually healthy for me because otherwise I probably would lose my mind. I'm very I'm very very close friends with James Tinian. And I'm very well aware of what his schedule is like, how many books he's doing, and uh, I worry about my friends sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I listened to the recent off panel, and James is like, I don't. He's yeah. like, I don't know why I do so many things. Dude, he told me he. I don't know when this was earlier this week or last week. We were talking about our schedules, and he showed me all. He basically gave me the full breakdown of everything he was working on, and I, I was like, dude, I'm, I'm like sweating reading this. <laughs> like, this is making me so nervous. Uh, but I try to keep things to a, a fairly manageable level. But yeah, the last, I would say the last year of DC was super intense because it was like, I had a moment there where I was writing Robin, Deathstroke, Batman. I was working on Infinite Frontier, which that whole system of like Infinite Frontier and Dark Crisis. I was working on Rogues. And there was a bunch of other stuff in between there. Like I was working on so much uh, that it was definitely very intense at times where I was like, oh my gosh, like there was a moment in may so may is it this month yeah this month i have eight books is that right hold on this month alone i have let's see here one like one two three four five six seven eight, eight books technically eight books um rogues got pushed back a month so it's not coming out this month but that would have been eight um so i was working i would have had eight books out this month alone from that's so just dc comics and, and i'm over here i was like i finished a five-page script this month that's good enough <laughs> yeah well you, you you know like writer writer you just build that endurance yeah and it's like you know you, you you should do is you start setting the deeper you get into it you start setting the certain goals for yourself you know and like right now my goal is i try to do like seven or eight pages a day um five at the minimum because even if the day is crazy if the day is crazy if i hit that five that's okay yeah oh it, it's uh it's something there's nothing wrong with like keeping it low but just the, the key is being consistent yeah you know once you set your goals for what you want to do then it's about hitting those goals and then you know i work i use a lot of notebooks i, I use my notebooks a lot to this day like i was talking about the seven high school i actually have all those notebooks still from high school um of different story ideas and stuff and there's times i'll go back and i look through and i'm like oh my god these ideas are awful <laughs> these will never see the light of day but uh you know for you if you're able to do five pages a week like that's that's a, a worthy goal to have like it's yeah good to build I mean, especially with the day jobs like I'm, I'm glad i get to write anything and have some energy to get it done oh my god dude. yeah when i had the last time i had like a full-on day job um i was working for this design company and this was my schedule like no joke i would get to work at eight but i was always late so it'd be like 30 maybe but there's a reason why i was late we'll, we'll get, i'll get to that uh so let's say i got there like 8 eight thirty. i would work until five and then i would uh come home and then i would hang out with my girlfriend at the time and then from about, I basically would have dinner, hang out with her until about 10 o'clock. And then from 10, 11, all the way until about three in the four in the morning, I would work on comics. Um, 
but I was also doing more than writing because I was also doing production work and lettering and just yeah. emailing people and like doing the stuff and then learning things and reaching out to creators to learn from and all that. But I would write, that's when I would write is that time period. And then I would basically go to bed, you know, like three, four o'clock, I'd wake up again at seven, seven thirty, and just try to make it to work on time. <laughs> and I did that every I did that for about two or three years. It was rough. Like I was in my twenties, so I don't even I you know, I, I, I could not do that now. Like yeah. Very much a, a not a night owl anymore. I can't do overnight. I can't do all nighters anymore. But that's how I was doing it. And it was it was rough. It was rough. Um I mean, even when I worked at the comic book store when I was like in college and a little after college. I would get home from the comic book store because the store would close. I think I think we would leave at like seven thirty at night. I'd get home at eight, but that was different because I was like living with other people who also wanted to work in comics, like artists. So I would just sit in the living room with my computer and I would write while talking to them, you know, while they were drawing. It was a different environment, but I would write from like eight to midnight, eight to one or whatever. That was different. I didn't have to be at work until like I think ten thirty the next day every day. When I yeah. Shop, but man, it was tough. So I don't. I don't envy you, you know, having a full-time job and all this stuff you have to do, like pumping out five pages is, it can be hard. It can be really hard. Um, what I recommend for you is just keep a notebook with you and just, you know, jot ideas down that notebook as much as you can. One thing I don't, I don't know how much, how deep you are in the writing. Yeah. Uh, but one thing that I uh, do is I figured this out, but I actually don't really write that much on the computer. What I mean by that is like, I, I type everything up on the and I type the scripts on the computer. I don't figure out the story on the computer. Like I'm not. The oh yeah, of... neither do I. Yeah. Okay. So what do you do? Do you go for walks or? What um. I, it's I have to com- I have to commute. I used to commute every day, but I only commute like twice oh, now. Man. It's like a, uh, thirty to forty five minute drive there and back. Both, uh, yeah. both ways is about that long. So, um, we went. This is this is about like um. I'm planning out like another novel idea and, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um. We went, me and my mom went to go see something. I went, I took her to see some movie. And on the way, it, we were driving back because it was in the same area. So it was taking a while to get back out. On the way, I'm like, I think I figured out the second off. <laughs> like, I think I puzzled it out because I kind of yeah, just, yeah, I think yeah. that drive so much that I kind of just zone out. And I just think about story ideas. Yeah, um, man. Yep, yep, yep. And that's, that's where I think of like too. comic pitches and things like that. And a lot of times, she's like having conversations with her friends. We'll just joke about something. I'm like, wait a second, though. What if we took that joke really seriously? Oh, did it have me recently? There was a my my wife made a comment. Like I I'm uh, we were talking about something. I'm not gonna tell you what it was, but we were talking about something, and she made a comment, and I was like, "Oh, you're right." And then an idea just like exploded in my brain. I had to run to my office and write it down. And now I'm gonna do it as a creator own book. Yeah, um, no, the one I just finished was a comment a friend made about something, and I'm like, "Yeah, but what if what if that was true?" Yeah, well, I was thinking about that. Like I read uh, Charles Soule did a book uh, that came out this week. I think it's called like Eight billion genies yeah i know what you're talking about yeah i just read it today and i was like um yeah i read it today and i had that same thought i was like i wonder if this just came from charles and ryan like talking about wishes or something you know and like what would happen if everyone all of a sudden had a wish you know and like i I find that stuff really interesting but yeah I, i do a lot of thinking um like figuring out stuff i go on walks mm. walks help like even with just an hour but one thing i do is i i take my phone with me and i talk to myself sometimes so i just record myself talking to myself and that actually uh, helps me figure things out on the comic side because then i just play it back to myself while i'm at my computer and then i'm like oh okay yeah 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 like it's interesting it's a way of almost talking to myself like uh, it unlocks something in my brain um last question because we're getting close yeah. to wrap yeah. up time um last time you're on we talked about how you always are like marathon reading something uh i think it was yeah. slot spider-man last time we talked what was um, it last time i think it was dan slot spider-man or maybe it was oh, yeah, spider-man yeah, yeah. oh i read dude since then i've i i have read i read everything bendis did for marvel uh except for x-men i didn't get to x-men but i did avengers and ultimate spider-man and then I did all his Daredevil, which then led to me doing basically a complete reread of Daredevil. Uh, I just got through marathoning um, Spider-Man 2099. Mm. Um, Getting ready for uh, Steve's book. Yeah, 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 yeah. I liked the first issue. I, I texted with Steve about it. I was a little jealous because I love Spider-Man 2099. It's like my favorite comics of all time. And 
I was a little jealous that Steve was doing that, um, which I told him. This is like a secret. He, he's, he's aware. Uh, but yeah, I've been, I was, I marathoned uh, all of Garth Ennis's Punisher, which then led to me reading all of Jason Aaron's Punisher. Um, I'm probably going to marathon Something is Killing the Children because I got the hardcover for it. And like, I, I've been, mm. that book, I have a weird relationship with it because it's like, I, in the early stages, I was reading the scripts as James was writing them before the art was even drawn. So I have like a weird, uh, like point of view of it, you know? Yeah. Uh, but I'm probably going to power through that. And then what else? So now that we've talked about, it, I might reread that John Byrne, um, I might reread that John Byrne, uh, Generations. But the other book that I've been power reading, I actually cannot tell you because it would give away what I was doing at DC next year. Uh, that's, so, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, the other, the other thing that I've been power through. But yeah, I'm, I've definitely been marathoning a few, a few different books recently. I've been, uh, you inspired me. So I started doing every Batman book that I can on the DC Universe app. Oh, nice. Yeah. Or DC Infinite app. Yeah. And I'm, I'm so close to hitting uh, uh, No Man's Land. Oh, dude, yeah, yeah, and I, I've read a, I've read a lot of stuff post No Man's Land, and I've read a lot of stuff in the seventies. But I realized, like, between like Nightfall, seventies, eighties Nightfall, and then like to No Man's Land and post, I haven't read nothing there. So this is all brand new stuff to me, except for maybe oh, really? some Nightwing yeah. and Robin stuff, because those are the books I was picking up at the time. Oh, dude, No Man's Land is real good. I, I love No Man's Land. Yeah. It's like one of my favorite DC events. That whole time period from from uh, Nightfall all the way through to the end, I really love that that era there's a lot of cool books in there yeah but i love i love it it's a good one you're in for a treat um joshua thank you so much for coming back on and talking with me about all of this stuff and then just yeah of course about not the books you're writing about just writing and yeah it was comics. nice yeah it was um, good not 100 uh, in sales mode <laughs> uh where can people find your social media where you update when the books are coming out and stuff uh, just go to uh, my Twitter account, which is Williamson underscore Josh. Uh, I also have an Instagram, which there's a link on there on the, uh, but I think it's also just Joshua Williamson on Instagram. I'm sorry to use that more, but for the most part, just go to Twitter. That's the best place to get me. And uh, Dark Crisis number one comes out the first week of June. Or yep, first so week of June. Keep, take a look at that. I think uh, uh, the reprints of Just League 75 are coming out before that. Yeah, it comes out same day as uh, Shadow War Omega, so it's the last week of May. And for this show, you can find us on Twitter at YComicsPod. You can find me on Twitter at Sleeper of the Bell. You can find Hana on Twitter at uh, underscore Hana23. Um, you can uh, find our email at YComicsPodcast.gmail.com if you want to email us any questions for guests, want to be a guest on the show, or have a story about how comics impacted you. Um, don't forget to leave a review of us on your favorite platform that you listen to and tell a friend. Logo is done by Cavity Crew. You can find them at Cavity Crew everywhere. And the theme was Join the Restaurant by David Stetsy. And remember, everybody, Captain America punched a lot of Nazis. Yeah.